I love the DMs. I think you could do way better conversions by sending people to your DMs. It works every time. What we're going to do today is going to be more of a themed podcast. So the theme for today is the holy grail, which everybody wants. It's lead flow. And I want to start with theory before we get into like the actual specifics. So let's start with theory. We're going to cover how do you get lead flow? What are the main, maybe limiting beliefs and mistakes around lead flow? And then we're going to go into like actual scripts. People seem to overlook them on Twitter, which I was like, oh, you guys don't know how good this is. this thing is. So uh, we're going we're gonna to review some actual tactics, but that's going to be at the end. First, I'm more interested in how do we make it so that you see lead flow. And like Picasso said, you learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. So we're going to go over the theory and then we're going to go into the tactics. But Marcos, when you think about lead flow, is what, what do you think about? Do you want to... Let's start this off with you. Yeah, for me, I would say like lead flow is very cut and dry mathematics in my eyes um how many prospects can we get in our pipeline in x amount of time so how many per day based on how many posts and so on and how much ad spend right um that's what all right so were you you talking about inbound or outbound inbound okay so like let's say for your clients and personally what i do let me tell you tell me if you do something similar but What I find most useful, it's not waiting for the people to come to me because I feel like that's a mistake. If you wait for the people to come to you, people in organic take a long time to make decisions. And on Twitter, people log in with the expectation to be entertained. They are logging with the expectation of buying. That's what your email is for, but it takes a while. Whereas if they engage with you, I believe personally that every follow and engagement is an implicit request for information. So if they engage with you, that's kind of them not raising their hand completely, but raising their hand a little bit, saying, if you message me, I'm not discarding the option of working together. So for me, if you're ever going to get lead flow up, you shouldn't have way, you shouldn't wait for people to come to you. You should go to them or make it really easy for them to come to you. I feel like you get the inbound game right, so I'm going to let you cover inbound. I'm going to cover outbound. So if anybody, like let me tell you a story of a client, who one time told me, I tweeted this thread and I didn't get any leads and I messed it up. That's what he said to me. I'm like, okay, what'd you do? And he said, well, I tweeted the thread and that was it. Well, I didn't get any inbound after I put my Calendly in. I'm like, you can't wait for that to happen. You have to go to them. So if you like, comment, retweet, anybody who likes comments or retweets your stuff, that's when you go in and you message them. And we're going to go into the scripts on what to say in a bit. But that is them saying, hey, I follow you. Like, look at, let's get it right. They follow you. You don't follow them. So that is like a perfect opportunity for you to start a conversation. And if you look at it that way, if you have 3,000 followers, you have 3,000 potentially very warm leads that you could talk to. You're just not doing it because you haven't made that mindset shift of, let me just wait for them to come to me, which personally, I feel like it's much of more of a defensive mindset instead of taking an offensive mindset. Hey, they follow me. Maybe it's for a reason and you talking to them. Do you have anything to add to that before you get into inbound? Yeah, I think um, I think outbound is extremely powerful and underrated. I think it's really, I think it's almost one of those things where if you have inbound and, and outbound dialed in, it's just like that's how you maximize, right? Um, you'll never be able to maximize on just inbound or just outbound. 
you need both in my in my opinion um but i agree i think a follow is an implicit request for information i would i would argue that a reply to a tweet is an implicit request for information right they've obviously something that you said has interested them whether it's about your product or it's just in general about what you said but that can then start a conversation that's continued in the dms right um so i agree yeah so it's like if uh it's like if you're running a show, right, in your town, right, and you're doing something, maybe you, I don't know, you're juggling stuff, right? And then somebody stops and sees what you're doing, and then they clap right after you do something. It's like, oh, well, maybe they're more open to, like, seeing the other show because they like this, right? So same thing on Twitter. If on your bio you're like, follow me for God health advice, then, I don't know, maybe... They want some gut health advice, you know what I mean? So like, and but they're, they're shy. Like people are shy. People are not gonna DM you. People are intimidated. Like when was the last time you saw a product online? You're like, let me DM the person about their paid offer. Like that doesn't happen. But if they come to you, it's much more open because they follow you, right? And um, we're gonna go, go into uh, it. Does it hurt the brand or not? But let's talk about inbound first. I think you're really good at inbound. Do you want to go over the theory of how you get inbound? And then we're going to get into the tactics. This is interesting. I saw someone said this, which I, it really resonated with me because I agree. Um, I want to say it was Presley, the clip curator, but I, it might not have been. Um, essentially saying that the difference between a paid advertisement and content is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where ads and content are the same thing, right? Um, you think of, I think of like Logan Paul with Prime and I think of how like if you just look at him in a YouTube video, he'll just be like talking about Prime in his like vlogs, right? So he'll be vlogging, talking about his product and it's essentially one big ad, but it's also content, right? So I do the same thing on Twitter. I want to add one thing to that because I think it's really relevant. This tweet by Cass, and I'm going to let you go after this, but he said, I remember this one time I was hanging around with a bunch of boomers. They were talking about health remedies and skin stuff that were working for them, sharing videos they found useful. All of them were VSLs for ClickBank offers. That's when I realized they don't understand the difference between a well-put-together VSL ad versus organic content. And a good VSL will go viral organically. Shifted my reality permanently. Yes, to add to that point, really good. I agree, and I think of like the like, way the we best write. ads don't look like ads. Exactly. Like the way we, the way we've, we've begun writing, like this is something that we've really been dialing in on, but the way we've been able to write Twitter content has portrayed the personal brand and the personal story in a way that weaves in the actual product that you're selling. Right. So for you, it's like you, I think you've done it well with, uh, with your, with your story, um, you know, came up on Twitter, monetized on Twitter and you sell a Twitter monetization education uh, platform, right? So it all makes sense together. And I think if you could consistently do that in the content, not just once, right? Like not just you're like, here's my story, big thread, like as if it's a big party, right? You have to do it consistently. So if you could do that consistently, tweets, threads, um, et cetera. And I have five content pillars that I've really dialed in on. If you could do it in all five pillars, then everything becomes an ad, right? But you're also building the brand at the same time. So how do you do it with your content pillars? It's funny. Like I, tactically. I've added a pillar a month at this point. But um, so my five pillars and shout out to and clients, they got this first, right? Um, so my five pillars are 
One um, would be social proof. And I'm this isn't in order, right? Because I get the order wrong. One would be social proof, uh, whether that's case studies, testimonials, whatever. Uh, two, expertise, something that builds authority, tactics, frameworks, mental models. Um, three is going to be personal, storytelling, behind the scenes, day-to-day, picture of your cigarette with your espresso. That's all personal, right? Uh, four is going to be industry. Um, I do this really well, I think. If you go on my Twitter, I talk all the all the time about new Twitter features, Elon Musk, uh, the future of the industry. I'm big on that, right? You tweeted, I think you tweeted that, I don't know who tweeted it, but it's like, now you can upload episodes to Twitter. It's like an hour and a half or something. Was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could upload full movies to Twitter. Uh, you saw it with Matt Walsh, What is a Woman, got a quarter of a billion views in like two days. You saw uh, just, or Tucker Carlson is an exclusive Twitter weekly episode. Uh, you have just, Apple TV just released the first episode of a new show to get people hooked on Twitter. And now they have to subscribe to Apple TV to get episode two. Unreal. Um, welcome. So that's industry, right? Talking about that stuff. Uh, like for example, right? If you're into tech and you didn't talk about Apple Vision Pro, like what are you doing, right? It's, it would be silly. So I count that as a pillar. Um, and then number five would be opinions. Um, and this is a big one. Shout out uh, Jeremy Moser. He gave me this one and it is super powerful. Opinions are what make you unique. Kind of going off what Quinn said on what we talked about last episode or the episode before. Um, having your unique perspective on things and having an opinion on things is what's going to set you apart from the people who are just leading with value, you know? I like it. So let's, I, I want to recap what you just said. So Marcus is really good at inbound. I really respect that about him. So he said five things to get inbound. He said social proof, expertise, personal tweets, industry, and opinions. Let's go like an example of each. I'll try to do a few of mine and then you can you can do yours. Okay. Right. For social proof, my pin tweet right now as we speak, it's somebody who said, hey, JK, because of your list, I made my, I got my first 14K month. And I just said, I just, you included that picture and say, get all the emails that he got for free, lexincash.com. All right, that is social proof. I personally believe that when it comes to social proof, you don't want to leave it to subjectivity. You want to leave it to objectivity. Something like, I got this result. I got this many leads. As in, compared to, bro, I love your course. I love your content. That, I mean, it's good if you, somebody says it on a podcast, right? But for you to post it, it's just not as bad. Personally, I would also believe that maybe it devalues you. Because it's like, that's the best proof you got. Like, you don't got any numbers, really. So... Personally, I would include more objectivity in your social proof, unless caveat here, what you sell is lifestyle. Ben said something I love the other day at the coaches huddle, which by the way, we miss you on that one because you're on a weird time. time. You can't make it. Uh, yeah. I bring yeah. the vibes. That's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. At least. <laughs> so he said, "The big, you know what the base, biggest mistake fitness coaches make? He's like, I'm like, what? They sell fitness. You don't sell fitness as a fitness coach. You sell lifestyle. You sell being fun, like having fun. You sell being at the beach. You sell your six pack. You sell, I don't know, being with girls, right? You don't sell fitness as a fitness coach. In that case, subjectivity has a position. If you're maybe, I don't know, uh, uh, Iman Gazi, right? He's living the lifestyle. You're agitated. Then in that case, subjectivity has a point. But if you're more of an ROI kind of offer, then objectivity is your bread and butter when it comes to proof. Uh, you have anything to add on that one or you want another, another pillar? 
No, social proof, same thing. I agree. Um, for me, like you said, it's my pinned tweet as well. I think social proof is pretty self-explanatory. I think the big thing with social proof is that if you don't have social proof, you need to get it, right? So you need to work for free. <laughs> I think it's. I think we have sophisticated to high-level market uh, in most industries. And I think if you don't have social proof, you're essentially, a, you're nobody, right? So you need social proof. Um, work for free, or you could be like me and work for $20 on Upwork, which is just as bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say I'll say one, one thing here is I know a few of the top video editors and how they, they got their job. Uh, and what they did was they, they did the extra step. So instead of the other editors understanding that you need to do outbound, of course, and being like, hey, I can do work for you, these guys took the risk and they said, I did work for you. You can use it if you want. No ads. They just sent it. I will say if you're an editor or you're anything art artistic, you are so ahead. You get you basically get to skip a step uh, among against some of us untalented folks. So if you go like graphic design or video editing or anything like that, like just do it for yourself. Like if I see you making thumbnails for yourself that are Mr. Beast level, then I'm going to hire you. I don't care who they were for, right? Like if I see you designing God tier Nike McDonald's levels logos, I don't care that you've never done it for somebody else, right? So you're lucky if you're an artist, man. I'm telling you. Like that yeah. stuff is, that stuff is you could just do it. You don't have to get a client. You don't even have to do it. Send any cold DMs. You just have to make it. <laughs> Good, important distinction you made there. It Proof is not just proof of results. It's also proof of competence. Exactly. Showing that you're good at what you can do. You know, yesterday, I actually took your advice. Let's uh, uh, leverage what's going on. So I, <laughs> I did what I said I wanted to do. I hosted a space on AI. So that's what I did. <laughs> so I hosted this space on AI. You were asleep at the Wolves, so I'm glad you were there to like roast you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I did a space. Yeah, I did a space on it. Dude, this this dude comes. His name, I don't know. Uh, I wish I could. I remember his name, but this dude comes into the space. He says, "Jakey, I'm so happy you're talking about AI. Check this out." He showed me how he got AI to imitate Justin Walsh's voice. So I said, "Oh, let's run a quick experiment on this space." So I read three tweets, two by Justin Walsh and why one by his AI bot. And I asked people, react to which one do you think is the AI one? Most people got it wrong. Most people actually thought that Justin Walsh's tweet was AI written and the AI written tweet was Justin Walsh. I'm like, this is raw proof of competence. You're doing it live. And when he tweeted it, Justin Walsh retweeted him and he got him a bunch of followers and a bunch of comments because he proved what he was good at. Proof is not just social proof, it's proof of competence. I'm interested to see if AI. So, just let's let's talk Justin Walsh, right? He, not to say he's robotic, but he's very templatey the way he writes. If you've ever, if anyone follows Justin Walsh, he has amazing things to say, but the way he writes is very particular, almost like you could code it, right? He's very good at what he does, and he's almost created a sub segment of writers. I feel like on Twitter that have copied him. I would love to see if AI could generate something that Logue Fitz would tweet. <laughs> like, Logue Fitz is like, just got done doing a Thaddeus Castle muscle neck raw milk workout. <laughs> like, if you could code that, let's see it. But um, that's just like an interesting nuance there. All right, you got, so, the, you got, the, you got the second pillar. I'm going to look for a Logue Fitz tweet because he actually used it. And, oh, it was hilarious. It was one of the best things ever. 
I want to look yeah. for it, but you can go into the second yeah. part, which is expertise. Yeah. So expertise is, um, I find this to be very much also proof of competence. So um, it, a lot of these overlap, mind you, like you can have two for ones on a lot of these. Um, but with expertise, like I really like it's, you know, multi-step framework, step-by-steps, tactics, uh, mental models work really well. Um, you know, the like saying cash method, the birdhouse flywheel, right? Like these things are very proof of competence expertise. Obviously, social proof also proves expertise. Um, another thing is being able to speak knowledgeably uh, about your industry, which is how it can also overlap into industry, works really well. Um, being able to, you can do this and engage too. I think a lot of people think that it's only in tweets, but you could actually engage with these five content pillars. I can reply to your tweet with my opinion, my expertise, my social proof, my industry knowledge. I could reply to your tweet with all of these. So keep that in mind. Like you can engage with content pillars and not just like i i understand the engage like a bro tweet like a tweet like a pro but why don't just just mix it up right so um i find engaging to be very strong if you if anyone knows nft god who is a very underrated twitter account um he kind of blurs the lines between web3 twitter and almost mainstream mainstream uh social but he says really good stuff about how most of your favorite accounts started as reply guys i kind of agree because that's how i started as a as a reply guy we all did. We all did. And it also adds in a new, in a third kind of builder, which is personal. Today, Brian tweeted, he he used to be very robotic, right? And like, this is what you do for Twitter. This is how you get leads. Today, I tweeted something. He tweeted something that I thought was really cool. He's like having fun. And it was tweeted about him with camels and sand, him jumping off uh, a plane and then he on a jet ski. And I'm like, you get it. This is how you like bond with people so that's your third one which is personal i feel like brian's our son <laughs> i think if, oh. me and Jake, if me and jk had a son it would be brian <laughs> well he, he's asian so you know who's got the stronger genes here you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> um again yeah. well I'll, one thing i found the log fits tweet he actually used ai and it was pretty accurate. You want to you want to read the really? tweet? It's it's uh. <laughs> Sorry, this is so dumb. <laughs> White men are weird already, but what if you add goatee sauce, loads of model chicks, and shilajit tea? <laughs> hey, you know it's accurate. It's close. You know what's funny? The, like the way that, that the way that he tweets is like incomprehensible to a new like someone that's new to English. <laughs> like it's like oh. he tweets. I bet you had a hard time at first. Like, what are you saying, guy? Like Bro. these words are real. <laughs> were Were you in the Michael Porfirio era? No. Oh man, let me tell you about Michael Porfirio. Michael Porfirio. You know how soy was starting to become like a popular in sort of like 2019 or 2020 maybe? No, it was like 2021. It was like advanced. This dude was in talking about that thing in 2016, right? From way in the beginning. You know, village by the sea, lesson in there, few honest enough to admit this. He invented all those things. He is the father of Twitter, bro. He, he has a gun as his profile picture, private. He doesn't follow anybody. He has some of the greatest tweets in history. I have some of them downloaded on a PDF because they're so good. He's like, everybody wants, every man, every boy wants, every man wants to be a playboy. Most, like this, 
<laughs> almost everyone lacks the courage. Most lack the heart, but almost everybody lacks the spiritual preparation. <laughs> He's got tooth like that that are just you just feel them. You know, I love that guy. Old money, old money Twitter is interesting. I was on uh, football Twitter at the time, so soccer. And this is uh, okay, okay. Which I, which I, well, I'll get into that later. I, I, there is something I want to talk about on like the Twitter side, but let's get into the fourth content pillar, which is yeah, industry, industry, yes, industry. So, um, like today, I tweeted. I mean, I tweeted something very cryptic, but I was just like, full Twitter episode. Do you understand? Like, for me, that is essentially bringing to my audience a new feature of Twitter, right? Um, Apple TV posted a full episode of a pilot, basically the pilot episode of a new series. Um, Genius. Massive success. Mr. Beast commented. Mr. Beast said, um, this is genius. Like, I just watched uh, a little bit on here, and now I'm actually interested in it, and I would never have even seen this show had you not done this, right? Because there's no discovery for Apple TV, right? It's not like Netflix where most people are just like, what do I need to watch? Let's pull up Netflix, right? Netflix has that luxury. Um, I think the competing, plat- the competing platforms don't. So genius to post it on Twitter, catching that wave. Um, so for me, I brought that to my timeline and it shows that one, I'm staying up to date on things. I'm promoting my, basically promoting my company, which is how every content is an ad, right? So the way that that's an ad for my company is I'm basically saying that Twitter is the future without saying it. And my company takes people's businesses that aren't on Twitter and puts them on Twitter, right? So I turned my content into an ad by giving my industry knowledge on something, right? So that's how you can kind of turn any piece of content into an ad by using the opinion content pillar. Another way was what I did last week that it did really well. I got like 200 likes was posting um, that you can use platitudes if you don't have an ego, right? And there's a good way to do it by adding your own sauce, right? That's an opinion tweet, but it also is kind of pushing back on the people who basically shit on platitudes and also proving my competence and expertise while also serving as an ad because it shows that I do this for others. It's, it's crazy. Good. I like it. Is there anyone... What Was this industry or opinion? This was industry and opinion. So it's like you okay, go back okay. and forth. I'll, I'll say one thing. I'll say what the overarching arcing or arching, overarching uh, thing of what Marcus just said, social proof expertise, personal, industry, and opinions, none of them amplify the message as much as they amplify the messenger. They amplify him. This is why inbound starts to work. When you amplify yourself, you start messing it up when you amplify the message. 10 copywriting hooks that you can use. 10 AI tools that feel illegal to know about, right? Or when you tell a story about what's happening in the world, but you don't tie it back to you. Because you're amplifying the message, you're not amplifying the messenger. You're not, you're not a node. You're just like signal that's out there. You know what I mean? It's like it has to come from you. And then uh, Ryan has this. Ryan taught me this. People don't buy coaching; they buy coaches, right? People don't buy your expertise; buy you. They want to have you, right? And these five relate to you. So, like most people, personally. Uh, a lot of accounts that I see on my feed, if they disappear tomorrow, I don't know. Like, but if you disappear tomorrow, yeah. I'm like, okay, what's going on, right? Like, because I, I, I'm used to seeing you, not the message. I, the message is everywhere; it's replicable. You are not replicable. A great example of this is we had a client who does, uh, let's call it ecom, right? And there was a thread, and it was, uh, let's call it an expertise thread. And the image for the expertise thread on the main tweet was just like a stock image of a product. 
And I went in, and this is from my team, and I went in and edited it up, and I essentially switched out that picture for a picture of the actual boxes of the product in my client's trunk, right? So that small difference easily tripled, maybe quadrupled the performance on that thread because now it's personalized, right? And it's acting as a giant ad, it's proving our expertise, and it's not something that anyone could post, right? Because that's literally his car, right? Like, so those are the nuances, right? And I love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm not against viral content. I'm against viral content that has nothing to do with you. I agree. All right. This, I, I love that. Okay. So CTAs, uh, because you have a way to get CTAs. It's very slick. Uh, and we're talking about lethal, right? So you post these five things. Cool. How do I get the inbound leads? I like the DMs. I love the DMs. I hate. I hate the hoping and praying that someone's going to click on your link. Um, I think social as a whole has sophisticated, in my opinion. Um, I think you could do really good and way better conversions by sending people to your DMs. Hey, literally, here's my offer. DM me if you're interested. I genuinely will say that every time, and it works every time. Um, I'm. I don't want like any half in, half out kind of call to actions either. Like, DM me if you are into this industry. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Here's my offer. DM me if you're interested. Sayonara, right? If I'm going to beat around the bush, I'll do that outbound. But for inbound, it's like, I don't want people inbound that are not like ready and curious about my offer. Right. And I'll say, I work with a, big, a, a lot of big accounts, right? People with like 50, 100,000 followers, 200, 400,000 followers. And we're all like, is anybody actually booking calls inbound on your LinkedIn bio? They're like, nah, not really. It's mostly like DMs. I'm like, oh, okay. Good to know that this was a fucking lie. Okay. Now, now, now I'm good. I, I will say I have, I, I put some, I put money up to get like a really cool VSL and it has booked me some calls organically without me doing anything. I haven't closed one of them yet. So for what it's worth, when I close one, I'll report back on episode eight or nine or something. Uh, it's fun. important. It's important yeah. to have, but that's. It, you can't attribute it to it. Organic is different. Like, it's going to take a while. People make decisions whenever they feel like it. Right. You know, it's like, it's not like it's going to be a direct response unless you're like really, really pushing it. But yeah. we're in the branding game yet. And man, I, and like, uh, to, to, to put into perspective how far away everyone probably listening is from being able to just do like click only organic, like, I have a buddy who's doing like, who was doing only 30K a month. He was only doing 30K a month organic link clicks. And he had like over 2000 concurrent live YouTube viewers every day, 60K YouTube, 80K Instagram, like 100K TikTok and still 30K a month inbound. Like that's bad. <laughs> like that's not good. I was doing 30K a month with like 3000 followers. So it's so like, it is bad. So it is a waste and we got him to 100k a month very easily by putting in marketing tactics it's just like go to the dms yeah you just ask people to dm you and then you you book them so next question which kind of will lead into the outbound in a bit but somebody dms you uh, and by the way don't ask people to just dm me if interested dm me keyword dm me likes dm me cash dm me i don't know e-call right so okay Somebody DMs you. The way I like to get them to book a call is actually I don't just send the calendar there. I want to introduce a little bit of like that I care, you know. So what I will do is, hey, what's the issue? If you will DM me leads. Oh, awesome. 
What's the issue with these? Right? And they'll tell me X, Y, and Z. And now after they have said it, I like to have them actually verbalize what they're struggling with. And then I will be like, oh, sweet. Here's what I'm thinking. Let's book a time with my team next week, right? And we're going to raise some ways to get you whatever you mentioned, salt, right? And then uh, I, I send the link, right? I also want to give them a reason to book then. So I like to say, hey, mind booking now so I can send my team the details. That way they're like, okay, let me actually do it, right? They, let me actually like do it now because if not, it's like they forget, right? You got to, Tacky more calls this, uh, tug them in, like tuck them into bed. You actually got to, you know, take it home. You know what I mean? But that's how I like to handle inbound leads. I don't like to get into tough conversations. I don't like to get into long conversations. Or, this is big, if they have a belief that I know is going to hurt them, I don't try to fix that on the chat. That is for the call. And I, I learned this from, um, who's the golden hippo guy? Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? The golden hippo. No. Uh, his name is Craig Clements. Craig Clements. Okay, so Craig Clements, he said, you cannot change people's desires, but you can channel them. So if they'll tell me, if I ask them, what's the issue? And they say, A, B, or C, my answer will be the same. Bro, we can totally solve problem A. We can totally solve problem B. We can totally solve problem C. Even if we might change the strategy, that's not a conversation to be had on the DMs. That's one you have on the call. DMs shouldn't be more than 15 or 20 minutes, uh, 20, 15 or 20 interactions back and forth more. Maybe even less, maybe like 10, right? It should be short. Leave the convincing and leave the sales for the sales call. You're not selling by chat. You're setting by chat. So understand that when they DM you, they're warm. Don't let them go cold. Be like, okay, what's the issue? This, this, and this, totally. We can solve it. Let's get on a call. Completely agree. Awesome. Let's talk about outbound. What's your outbound strategy? Outbound? Um, I'm, we yeah, by the way, be, 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 before that, does Adbud hurt the brand? No, I think what hurts the brand is you not making a lot of sales and having a failed business and being a complete and total loser. My man. I, I, I want to give a more tactical answer to that one. And I think that, yeah, don't be a loser. Big, like, really good advice. By the way, this is what you get into. Like, I just dealt with, I don't, I've just, I've been through, I've been on a hundred hundreds of sales calls and a hundred, I've talked to hundreds of people on this. And it's just like the people who say that, are also the people who aren't killing it on Twitter. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's very, you have to be pretty much top 0.01% to not do outbound and still have a multi seven figure info business. Yeah. You're not Elon Musk. Yeah. You're not. And you're not like Cody. <laughs> like you're not that. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, I want to give out, I want to tell a story. I'm going to give a tactical answer on this one. Uh, this story is, you know how Salesforce once really promoted, I told this story once, but I'm gonna tell it again. Salesforce actually flew some people at Salesforce as a CRM to an event, right? Salesforce, but the taxi people, like they were Salesforce employees. And when people got off the airport to go to the event, they thought they were gonna get in a taxi. Tough luck, you're gonna go on a sales pitch for sales pitch by Salesforce. And she's gonna tell you how cool Salesforce is compared to all the other CRMs. Is Salesforce a weak brand? I don't think so. I think it's a strong-ass brand. So I'm going to give now a tactical answer to this one. And I think it's important because I feel like the DMs are not the problem. The problem is how you end them. Okay, so the DMs can end in 
four situations, and I would say you want to avoid one of them. The other three, you can't control that much. So four situations. It's either nothing happens, right? Because people forget, people are busy. You book a call. You don't book a call. And you book a call and you end up in bad terms with the person. Like maybe you try to force them. Maybe you're like, yeah, like this is not for me. And you're trying to frame control them. And then you say something that's like passive aggressive and you break the relationship, right? So it's either nothing happens, call, no call, or fighting. I'd say never fight with your audience, by the way. Never do that. So people come to you. It's If they don't respond, cool. You're in neutral. Nothing happened. All good, right? If they don't take, if they take the call, well, awesome. You go on a call. If they don't take the call, don't just leave them there. Get them something, right? So if they didn't take the call, it's like, oh, well, totally understand. By the way, based on this problem you mentioned, I think this video might be relevant. I think this resource might be relevant. And then you actually don't just protect your brand, you strengthen your brand because you don't look like a dick. So when people try to like push you and they're trying to be like, oh, let me, because when you're the influencer, people want a piece of you, they want to take something from you. What you want to do is be like, okay, cool. Like you don't want to take a call. Totally cool. By the way, let me give you something. Let me not just take, let me, and you end the note and, and you end the relationship that you end the interaction with giving. And that kind of makes them be like, ah, I appreciate it. Right. And I've found that when I engage with that, people actually engage with me more because they respect it. Right. And some people I'd be like, you know what, JK, like I actually was kind of like a dick in an interaction. I apologize for that. Thank you for the resource. I appreciate it. Do you have or do we have a set by chat matrix? What's a matrix? Oh, uh, so uh like a flow chart essentially. So like you said, one up four. We do now. Yeah, I I think we should we should definitely collab on that and create a matrix and then if no show this if showed this if this if this if this right and have all the things with objections and all that stuff um we got it yeah oh yeah beautiful okay um yeah so what when yeah, i get to this yeah joint suites and clients uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's easier you know <laughs> so simple so so simple oh yeah but it's like it's really this was this was like the um it's, it's actually really, actually simple. So if they respond to your first message, uh, they don't respond, just leave it, don't follow up. Personally, I just don't think it's worth it. If they kept the convo going uh, and they stopped responding, then follow up later that day, right? How do we follow up? Personally, I like to follow up with name, right? Marcos, right? Yeah. And if, uh, if they didn't respond after 24 hours, I would send a meme maybe, uh, depending on the situation, whatever meme you want. And if they don't respond, leave it. Just just leave it. Now, if they did keep the convo going, now you stick to the script, which we're going to give you in a bit. If they don't take the call, give them value. End in a high note. People do come back, right? People do come back, but you just got to wait. You got to expand your time horizon. And if they take the call, awesome. You exit gracefully, and then you can make money. So you either end in neutral or end in positive. I like that. I think one thing that you gave me that changed my entire perspective on DMs is kind of maintaining authority and maintaining that seniority frame in the DMs and not kind of looking like, as soon as you look like a beggar or something, um, you lose you lose that completely, right? You should always look like, you should always be the authority, just like in a sales call. 
you should always be in the authority seat and always the driver's seat of that conversation. Um, and if you're solving a painful problem, which you should be if you're in business, right? <laughs> you solve painful problems. Um, your prospect needs you more than you need them. Um, at least, at the very least, if you're just starting, it needs to look like that. It needs to look like you're not desperate. Um, so I think that's one thing I learned from you. And I noticed you've had some really good objection handles in your DMs that I've seen in the past year. Like, unreal. Like, somebody would say, um, like, I'm not really sure if I need this, right? And you'll just be like, oh, cool. So you're happy with where you are. <laughs> They'll be like, well... No, I'm not happy about that. And you're like, cool, let's jump on a call. <laughs> those, those, that is like kind of a, tr- that's a double-edged sword, that one. But I will say with some more subtle ones. One, what is like, sometimes prospects will tell you their entire plan as in fitness, right? It's like, oh, bro, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm, there you go, intermittent fasting, right? And then you go, hmm, that's a good starting point. So starting for it. What what are you eating starting for? Or it's like a few tweaks wouldn't hurt. It's, oh fuck, it hurts. You know, it's like ah, uh, okay, fine, like what you got? Like a screw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was that was like um another one that's a little bit more pushing, but it's like also, is that acceptable to you? It's like, oh fuck. No, it's not acceptable, right? You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, that those are kind of just objection handling frameworks. But um, I, I spoken for a lot. I want I want you to go over uh, some outbound tactics. Who do you DM, and what do you DM? Yeah, so DMing. So for outbound, um, I personally don't like cold unless you're a service provider. I think service providers can do cold. Um, I think info providers or info sellers. Um, Info products should do warm. And what, what I mean by warm is people who already know who you are prior to the DM, right? A cold would be someone who doesn't know who you are, hence cold. And then warm would be someone who knows who you are. Uh, so whether that be an old follower, a new follower, uh, a retweeter, what? a liker. Why don't I do cold? I think cold with info. So info is, in my opinion, very big on authority. I don't think it's necessarily about the brand. It's more so just about the authority and the frame. So cold would work. Get, don't get me wrong. I think cold works for everybody, but the percentage in which it works will significantly drop. And for me, right, if I have a human doing my DMs, my human DM setter, my person, my employee has a certain capacity per day, right? So I just don't want to waste that capacity on cold if I don't have to. Hence why I'd stick at with warm. Um, if they were a superhuman and they could triple their capacity, we'd probably do some cold, uh, but they're not. So um, that's kind of my logic around only doing warm for info businesses. Uh, Can I do here? It's also easier to close. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, like, they convert better. Who is going to close? Uh, like people will follow you or people who don't. Like what's the likelihood that people will follow? Yeah. Right? And so it's like, yeah, it's not just people who follow you, by the way. Now I'm doing it on Instagram. It's follow, comment, like, retweet on Twitter, right? It's also on Instagram, people who see your story, right? People who respond to your polls, people who like your post. I'm actually, first time I've read an ad in like years now. And my ad, I'm not even using the ads manager. It's just a boost button on Instagram. I'm just using it to get people to see the thing. And then I'll DM them. And then a VA goes over the low quality people and just removes the follow. Right, so we're kind of going through that through that cycle now. Just it's like 15 bucks a day. Sometimes I'll spend like maybe 50 bucks a day on that one. 
just to get uh, people to DM, you know, to people know who I am. I wish I could see who viewed and who uh, bookmarked my tweets. That would be like a whole thousands of thousands of more uh, of more leads. But we're 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 stuck on retweets, likes, and and replies and followers, uh, which is still fine. Um, what you say, I actually. I'm in the middle on this because the one that you sent me the other day was a killer. I was just like, wow, that's really good um, on the new followers. But uh, what we say is like, hey, thanks for the follow, right? Did you follow for X, Y, or Z, right? Depending on how many things you have. Uh, so if your offer is e-com, did you follow me to learn e-com? Did you follow me to learn Amazon, right? Um, simple as because they did. You know what I mean? They didn't follow you to not learn, right? If If you're profile is set up correctly, which it should be, right? This should be taken care of first. If your profile is set up correctly, there could only be one feasible reason why they would follow you. Nobody's following JK Molina for Instagram Photoshop, right? Like no one's following me for YouTube editing, right? It's very obvious why you're following me. So that DM works really well. Um, and I like that's, it. that's that's the bread and butter. I like it. So it's like you shouldn't have in your bio, just sharing what I learned along the way. Right, because that is like you're gonna attract everyone. Build it public. <laughs> Fuck. I like the practice. I like the practice. I respect it, but I don't like having it on your bike. It's stupid. Personally, shout out to my build. If you're my, if you're in the build in public software niche, like, hey man, power to you. Yeah, they have a great community, but it's not for. It's not what we're doing. We're we're on monetizing audiences. You know, hey, they they made me money. You know, so like, uh, you, you know how like you belong to that you know, kind of that space. I'm kind of in the middle, right? So it's like yeah. I can't give them a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, those guys uh, aren't monetizing their audience. They're just kind of building their audience for the community, but they're really focused on product. No, they want to make money. They just are not upfront about it. They're in denial. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're they they think they are ashamed of it. But next, okay. So, yes, Marcos, I followed you for ecom. For my e-commerce store on Amazon. I would say, so for that, I would just say, oh, how's it going? How's it going so far? Um, that one's pretty easy if they actually already own a store. Um, the really good one here that we found that works for e-com um, would be, do you own an e-com store or are you looking to start one? Good. And they'll, like that. that'll and that'll put them into two categories, right? They already own a store, which is a completely different call or a completely different conversation, or they're looking to start one, which is also a completely different conversation, right? So those are two conversations. Yeah, I like that. That I think that that message ranks high in two areas. One of them is usefulness, and the other one is ease of response. So something that ranks high in usefulness but low in ease of response is straight up offers. Hey, would you be interested in X, Y, and Z with this guarantee? So it's useful if they respond, but we're probably not going to get many responses. Whereas a response that ranks high in ease of use, but low in usefulness would be, how's it going? Right? Or, um, hey, uh, uh, how's your day? <laughs> right? <laughs> like things that just don't move the conversation forward. Kind of like that. So I like that answer for you because it puts people in the right niche, in the right bucket, or it puts people in like, Oh, okay, good. Like, it's easy to respond. Personally, what I'm like, <clears throat> um, are you building on Twitter or uh, or or just digging the content? Like, that's what I asked. So it's like, oh, you're building. What are you building? Right? And then you lead into the transition. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that, 
ah, man, this, this is going to maybe need a part two to talk about outbound. But real, uh, real quick, I'm going to go over like what's, what's kind of the script. It's like, first, we say hi with a this or that question, kind of what we just did right now. Are you following because of this or that? Or are you following because of this, right? And then you qualify, but you also include loop in the conversation. So you just don't go, uh, how many stores do you have? How much do you make? How many more clients can you take? You introduce some loop as in like, oh, cool. I see that. Oh, I've seen that around. That's not uncommon in my personal experience. By the way, how many clients you got, right? I, you want them to admit the gap. You want them to, for them to say, I have this many clients and I want this many. I'm at this level and I want that many. And then the way I transition is, want some help? It's like if they say, yeah, then you book the call, right? You send a link, but you tuck them in. It's not you just don't send a link. You're like, do you mind booking now? Can you book now? I'm going to keep my chant window open while you pick a time. And then they do it. And then you exit gracefully. If they're like, no, I can't take the call. I'm sorry, I, I won't. It's like, totally cool. By the way, based on the problem you mentioned, I recommend this resource. Check it out. All good. And you exit well. And you will find that people appreciate it when you actually give them something, right? They come back. They take a while, but they come back, right? There's a guy that just became a client this week. <laughs> We've been telling for fucking two months. Right, but now it's like, okay, now is the time, right? And if you got emotional and you burned the bridge, you wouldn't have got that sale, right? So this is personally how uh, I look at inbound, how we look at outbound, and how to not only protect your brand, but strengthen your brand in the process. Yeah, one little nuance that I can add, um, and this is something I learned from experience. So this is for my agency owners, um, boutique agency owners, right? Guys who have low capacity and they want to have high growth. Um, have those scripts on deck and use those scripts to a T. But what what you did you call it loop? Is it loop? Loop. Yeah. Oh, loop. Okay. Yeah. So your loop needs to be, especially in my opinion, as an agency owner. This is what served me super well. Is that loop needs to be super personal, like personality to the point where your loop is is you, right? Like for me, it's not just like. So for you, it's simple, right? You're getting so much volume and people know you already, right? You're a big info coach, et cetera. For you as an agency owner, you got to think about these people as these are people you're essentially investing in, right? These are people that you're going to become a growth partner with long-term, people that you are treating their business like your business. So you need to kind of get that vibe fit. And if you be, if you get that vibe fit, it'll be the easiest close of your life. Uh, it'll also serve you well long-term because what I've seen issues, right? Let's just call it... Uh, like a normal agency that that we work with, right? He's saying that his clients are all about deliverables. All they care about is all they care about is deliverables. They want to review everything, right? Like nothing's really there's no partnership there, right? It's very much a transaction kind of thing, almost like a product for product. Um, whereas a lot of agency owners are trying to become growth partners, and you can't be a growth partner if you're not a partner first. So, what served me well is being myself in the DMs, talking like a bro uh, to these guys, and like I'm. To preface this, most of my clients are 30 plus year old men with kids. And I still can talk to them knowledgeably like this and like be kind of a bro, right? Um, so I think that served me well as having basically just have a little extra lube, squeeze that tube, empty it out, and uh, be a growth partner. So that's my uh, caveat expert advice for today. <laughs> I like that. I, I really like that. I thought there was that was a big nugget. Like people, if you want to be a growth partner, you got to be a partner first. It's a good quote. Yeah, you should tweet that. I should tweet that. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow Marcus at, at it's Marcos Ruiz with a Z and uh, me at 1JK Molina. That's O N E J K Molina. 
I'll see you around and uh, see you in the next one. Cheers, y'all. Adios.